Alright, it's the Sound of Groove Podcast, returning for 2019 here. Not the publicbroadcaster.com, the official host site, as well as musicofevansmind.blogspot.com, where you can find it. Yeah, it's been a few months, and uh, I owe you two episodes to start. Uh, I mean, I'm calling this one the February podcast, but of course that's coming on. I mean, there's one coming up for April, too. I hope to get both of them in before the end of April here. But, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. I'm just uh, sort of, I took a little break, you know, that post-holiday hangover and everything. But we're going to get right at it. And uh, I was all off a little vacation at the beginning of March. You know how it happens when you get late in the winter and you want to find a getaway place. I was out in California, you know, in the um, Los Angeles area, Anaheim, Orange County. So, you know, hit the spots like Disneyland and all that stuff. Done that a few years. And uh, I was thinking maybe when I came back and I started, you know, tossing around uh, ideas... And then I came up with uh, doing a couple podcast-themed episodes to start off 2019 about California. You know, like songs dealing with that and some great tunes that uh, specifically talk about that state, that sunny, sunshine coast uh, of, the, of the U.S. there, the Pacific Ocean and all that lovely scenery. So I was thinking, how about some of the great music from or about California? And uh, that led me to uh, select a litany of great tunes for all of you people out there to dig into and uh, now I'm finally getting toward talking about them too and so why don't we get started the first track I've selected is from the raw Memphis soul singer Eddie Floyd track of his a little more you know folky a little more um, I guess rock music influenced it's called California Girl and uh, he put this out in 1970. This was a single of his off Stax. He was a Stax record artist. And uh, it was a mild hit for him, the pop charts. It made it to 45 and almost cracked the top 10 in the R&B world. He'd had bigger hits than that. I mean, years earlier, his big uh, signature song was Knock on Wood, which uh, was number 28. That was probably his highest charting uh, single in the pop music world. But it was a number one R&B hit. And, uh, you know, he had other standards like Raise Your Hand and... Um, uh, I've Never Found a Girl, Things Get Better. These are all just great Memphis soul tunes, and he was maybe not on the level of Wilson Pickett, but he was one of their signature artists, one of their signature singers of that kind of music. And uh, he had hits right into the 70s before it dried up for him, really. And this is one of his more um, ambitious affairs. I guess everybody was trying to get that, you know, what what could they do to grab that commercial vibe, that California West Coast thing, just like Otis Redding was kind of onto, where he was sort of like headed before his untimely death. And Otis, of course, being another big Stax artist that Eddie looked up to, that all these guys wanted to be like in terms of their artistic and commercial uh, sway. But anyway, we'll get to it here. Uh, how about it? From 1970, Eddie Floyd, California Girl, courtesy of the wonderful Eddie Floyd, here on uh, Sound of Groove Podcast. of Los Angeles, California. I can't help but think about the young lady that I met here. And so I wrote a song tonight, and I call it my California girl.
Okay, awesome. There was uh, Ed, Eddie Floyd with uh, his minor hit, California Girl. Cool kind of folky R&B song. A little less of the Stax Records, Memphis Soul sound. I mean, by then it kind of played out commercially. So, you know, there you go. They kind of fades out the horns and a bit of the gritty soul, uh, greasy type of uh, sound that they had really made a big killing off of in the mid-60s. But times change and uh, tastes also change. Now, Eddie Floyd was also a uh, pretty good uh, songwriter and one of the... One of the great uh, ones at Stax Records, he wrote tunes for not just his own recordings, but for uh, people like uh, Otis Redding. I Love You More Than Words Can Say was one of his uh, contributions, a great tune. Um, he wrote a song Sam and Dave did called You Don't Know What You Mean to Me. So he was not just a guy who relied on other writers, he could get it done himself, you know, and he put, uh, put forth some pretty quality tunes on his own. And um, he uh, ended up, uh, you know, finding his career kind of washing out for a while but of course there was an interest more in that Memphis Soul thing I mean there's always kind of revivals like that that come around right so anyway he is still kicking he's still around 81 years old now so that's great to see somebody from that era who hasn't left us t too soon anyway let's move on to another track we're gonna go with uh, go a little south there the LA area actually uh, San Diego it's a track kind of an ode to his hometown called San Diego Serenade and it's by Tom Waits Many people probably wouldn't have thought that a guy as weird, gruff, and out there and eccentric as Tom Waits was from San Diego, but it's true. Because early on, he started off like a bit of a troubadour beatnik, a jazz fanatic with, you know, that rough voice. But his first couple of records, especially his first one, are very folky. I mean, they have touches of jazz. They're kind of more like late-night club music, kind of like winding down in the wee hours of the morning. But you could see he was developing that persona and, and really that attachment to an older period of time in pop music writing. And uh, his second album is a little more of like, you know, inspired by the poets, the beat poets. You got Jack Kerouac is really a big influence over it. And he doesn't quite sing in that gruff voice yet, but he's getting there. And it's uh, from an album in 1974 called The Heart of Saturday Night. And he went full in that jazz direction shortly after. I mean, Nighthawks at the Diner a year later and then Small Change after that kind of transitioned him into that Hoagie Carmichael slash Cole Porter territory where he'd like to be sort of a Louis Armstrong, Frank Sinatra type of guy, mixing it in with a bit of... 50s poetry and all that stuff and it didn't start off that way for him but this track sort of shows him caught between those directions of the folk sound I mean this is sort of unrecognizable if you know Tom Waits for his barking and the rough hewn vocals from years later and the strange kind of like creepy music that he wrote they're very very unique he's he could write songs that can make you cry and write songs that make you laugh and do all that um, even if you don't like his voice you have to admit that he's an amazing songwriter and here's San Diego Serenade from 74. Let's just spin it for you. Tom Waits, here on the Santa Groove Podcast. Never saw the morning till I stayed up all night. Never saw the sunshine till you turned out. saw my hometown until I stayed away too long I never heard the melody until I needed the song Till I was leaving you behind 
Right, there was the lovely melancholy San Diego Serenade, Tom Waits, kind of giving a shout-out to his hometown, saying only after he'd been away from it did he recognize or realize how good it was or, you know, learn to appreciate it better. And um, after his formative teenage years, he got into music by, or the industry anyway, by starting to perform live at the Troubadour in Los Angeles in 1970, weekly, and he uh, would commute up there from San Diego, and it was about a year and a bit later that he started... Uh, uh, basing himself out of L.A. on a permanent basis and um, got recognized. Herb Cohen, who ended up becoming his manager, spotted him and then ended up, you know, uh, helping him get a record contract with Asylum Records, which he, uh, who he recorded for. In fact, I think his first seven albums, all the way up until the early 80s, and then the stylistic change when he joined Island Records in the 80s, which really shot him into sort of the irreverent uh, vanguard of... Uh, eclectic avant-garde music and yet still very you know recognizable you'd see him on Letterman and stuff he was out there in the public even though he didn't sell a lot of records and then started getting into acting and everything and building the Tom Waits legacy even further but in the 70s he was a cult artist in a different way with the piano and string bass jazz kind of arrangements that you could hear there but of course he's not singing them in his sort of Louis Armstrong uh, rasp yet <laughs> he's not quite at that transition but anyway you hear that there and you get a good sense of where Tom Waits was early in his songwriting career and then where he transitioned to. So, how about another California tune coming up here for you? Songwriter, this is a track called San Francisco Patrol. It's from Robin Hitchcock. Now he's, you know, another guy with a cult following, but more of, you know, English-centric pop kind of music, comedic elements, you know, and uh, with an acoustic guitar and stuff. Not too folky, though. You know, he's different than Tom Waits, that's for sure, but he started off in kind of a new wave punk outfit called the Soft Boys, and then when he went solo, it kind of like, think about a John Lennon with a little bit more of a wit to him, to his music and more of a demented edge to it. And you've got Robin Hitchcock there. Not that Lennon wasn't witty, but you know, he didn't always put it in his music. Now, uh, this is from a 2014 album of his called The Man Upstairs, so rather, rather recent. But he's been going around, you know, doing this thing for 40 years now, I guess, uh, putting out tons of albums. He's very, um, what's the word, prolific. And, uh, you know, he's he's done, most of his music is kind of up the same alley. He hasn't done, like, something crazy like a country record or anything. But Robin Hitchcock's definitely kind of, like, 
in that group of English singer-songwriters that you might not have ever heard of before, but you really should get to know. You should, you know, investigate a little further. And uh, here's a song of his, you know, a little bit of a shout-out to the Bay Area, somewhere that a lot of people, you know, from around the world come to and fall in love with and want to stay at, you know. I think uh, another Englishman, Eric Burden, lead singer of The Animal, did that song, San Francisco Nights, and relocated there for a while. Anyway, let's take a listen to San Francisco Patrol, Robin Hitchcock, here on the Sound of Groove podcast. San Francisco Patrol from Robin Hitchcock in 2014. That's another area of California. Of course, it's world famous and uh, less known, but another lovely town is Santa Barbara. 
And that's the title of a track, actually, that I'm going to go with next. And this is from a group called World Party. Although, you know, I hesitate. I shouldn't call them a, gr <laughs> a group. It's kind of a one-man project. It's Carl Wallander. He's a Welsh-born um, kind of virtuoso, a multi-instrumentalist who started out his big break was in the Waterboys as a keyboardist for a couple of years, working alongside uh, the leader of that group, Mike Scott, to make a couple of tremendous records, including This Is The Sea, which had an Ivor Novello-winning uh, track on it called The Hole of the Moon that he was a big part of arranging and playing and singing on himself. And then he branched out after that and did his first album a year later on his own with a group. Essentially, it was mostly him recording the tracks or the parts for um, and he called it World Party. The first album was Private Revolution. And then just under four years later, he did a really well-regarded kind of Beatlesque album called Goodbye Jumbo. And that was probably his commercial and artistic zenith. But he did some good work after that. Um, the next album, Kingdom Come. And then the follow-up album was uh, called Egyptology and had a track that Robbie Williams would make a massive hit and sort of financially give a big, a you know, kind of a big financial windfall for Carl in a track called She's the One that was a sort of like a tender ballad, piano ballad that he wrote that Robbie Williams took high up in the charts in the UK. You know, Robbie Williams is one of those guys that's a big sensation over in England, you know, was in a boy band before and everything like that. And then over here, though, eh, I think Millennium, other than that, he hasn't really had any kind of hit that dented the public consciousness. He's one of those guys who's only in his homeland, a big name. Yeah, but we have guys up like that here in Canada, right? Gordon Lightfoot, he's kind of a little more successful in the U.S. maybe than Robbie Williams, but you, you catch my drift. Anyhow, so Carl Wallander, a guy who should be regarded as well as uh, Robbie Williams, but isn't because he's not commercial enough, I guess. <laughs> uh, he did another album after that called Dumbing Up in 2000. And uh, since then, World Party hasn't put out a studio album. A year later, he suffered a brain aneurysm that kind of put him on the shelf for five years. Um, so this album kind of represented a last gasp of creativity before, you know, health reasons set him aside for a bit, you know. But he resumed touring and uh, starting to write again in 2006, but other than a few collaborations and soundtrack things, hasn't really put out a solo work or a World Party album. So that's unfortunate, but there are some great tunes and that he wrote that really deserve more attention. I mean, you could say that for a lot of artists, but... Anyway, you can take a listen to one of those tracks that deals with a Californian theme here from him. him. Uh, this is on Dumbing Up in 2000. It's called Santa Barbara. And uh, yeah, let's get to it now, huh? Carl Wallinger's band, one-man band, you might say, uh, World Party, here on the Sound of Groove podcast. Set them down from 
its own assembly This sad and funny Comic drama I wish my mind was stone It savors all the passing many But knows itself There's more to life than being hip or hanging upon the ground. It's a doorway that you're standing in. There's a good example of the uh, piano keyboard mastery and uh, songwriting skill and craft of uh, Carl Wallinger with that track from World Party Santa Barbara, other 2000 album, Dumbing Up. Still the last uh, real studio album to date that he's put out or that World Party under that name has released, uh, which is unfortunate, but you know, some things can't or aren't destined to last forever. But here's another band we're going to go to that's not a one man show. And this is a track of theirs off that album of the same name. It was their debut release in 1980. It's called Los Angeles. And this is the song, Los Angeles. It's a group called X. And they kind of formed in 1977 when punk was sort of sweeping the world in a way. And all these underground garage groups started playing it because it was simplistic enough. And they had the anger. And if you had the anger, the energy, the feeling, you could really make a name for yourself. And they were unique in that they had a punk sound, obviously. But they did it with harmonies. They did it with harmony vocals from... Um, the vocalists of the group. There was uh, Exine Cervenka and John Doe, who was the bass player in the group as well. They kind of uh, There was a bit of a country twinge to it in that way, more of a rockabilly thing, and they did have a rockabilly sound going to them. I wouldn't categorize them as psychobilly, which, you know, sort of the uh, retro rockabilly groups like the Cramps might, might be classified as, but they were, you know, it was like punk. I guess what you would say eventually became termed as cow punk which is sort of like country groups with a punk edge to them. So, you know, somebody in the, in the vein of Lone Justice later in the decade or the, what the Mekons became after, you know, becoming, after early on being a punk group themselves, just like X. X transitioned out of that later. Like, they had more albums that were a little more, uh, had more sheen to them, more pop-friendliness, some somewhat of a country edge. And uh, But there was always that harmony from the start. And their first record, for few, were produced by Raymond Zarek, who was the keyboardist in The Doors. So there was a bit of a connection to the L.A. scene of the 60s right there, too. And, I mean, before punk was really anything, before it was that kind of style of angry three-chord electric music, you had the Doors, although a well, jazzier, artsy version of that. But there was that ethos there in some groups in the early years, the Velvet Underground. 
um, who more of a New York thing anyway. <laughs> but uh, X really, their first few albums are well regarded, and their debut was even overshadowed by their second album, Wild Gift, when it comes to the critical approval. So they really carved out a unique sound, a unique niche in the punk world for that reason. And uh, so you're going to get a taste of it here, because this is the title track of that 1980 album, Los Angeles, as I described, the John Doe and Exine Cervenka duetting. They uh, were actually married, too. I mean, they were, from, I think, 1980 to 85, they were an item, they were a couple. And um, they put out six or seven albums or so before they went on hiatus for a while and all that. They're back together in the last ten years or so touring. So anyway, take a listen to X with Los Angeles from 1980, here in the Sound of Groove podcast. There was some of the music of X with their track, Los Angeles, from the album of the same name in 1980. Very influential punk group out of the L.A. area, of course, in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. And, um, yeah, the husband and wife team there, you can hear the harmony vocals like I was describing. It makes them really different from other punk groups. They didn't just sing like, you know, like they had uh, razors down their throat and just unintelligible. You know, that has its place, too, obviously. It's not like they were, you know, hammering out there like they were, you know on stage drunk and high and whatever, yelling out things like Darby Crash of the Germs or something, you know, like those, or um, <clears throat> what's his name, of the Dead Boys there, uh, Stiv Baders, those kinds of uh, singers. They were enunciating well and harmonizing and everything. That made them a lot different than other punk groups from the era. And like I said, they were married, but uh, I, I actually, interestingly enough, um, Axine Cervenka there, uh, her next marriage after she split from, um, from John Doe of the ex was to the actor Viggo Mortensen, who you might know from the Lord of the Rings movies and other stuff. But anyway, um, kind of a little funny tidbit factoid there for you. So uh, let's get on to another track here. This is one called Sandy Beaches. And, I mean, if, if anything, California is known for its world-class beaches right on the Pacific Ocean and all that. And uh, this track is by Delbert McClinton, actually, who's 
kind of like an innovator of a Texas style soul country type of you know amalgam there but it really uh, exemplified blues mostly his music was kind of more of a uh, glossier version of that it wasn't like wasn't so uh, gritty and stuff it was a little more friendly sunny sounding this came off an album of his called the jealous kind in 1980 and had his biggest hit on hit on as a soul artist giving it up for your love and uh, some people might know him from some soundtrack appearances, like he did Weatherman, which was uh, played in the end credits of Groundhog Day. He had some famous duets, like uh, 1992 with the country era singer Tanya Tucker. They had a big hit uh, together, or at least he duet duetted on a hit with her called Tell Me About It. And uh, also Good Man, Good Woman, which was off Bonnie Raitt's 1989 comeback album, Nick of Time. So, And even going back further, with his harmonica skills, he played the famous harmonica part on... Uh, 1962 hit from Bruce Chanel called Hey Baby, which was oh, endured to this day. It's a very memorable, you know, catchy chorus and all that, right? I think it was a dance remix thing that really took off with it not too long ago where they added ooh, ah, in between the actual chorus thing. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it played at a few hockey games. Anyhow, so we'll get to Delbert McClinton here with Sandy Beaches, part of our uh, two-episode California theme, which I like to call... California on my mind. So, let's take a listen. Delbert McClinton from 1989. Here on the Sound of Groove podcast, part of notthepublicbroadcaster.com. Now look here, hun. I got all this so let's me and you go down to Mexico. We'll find us a haystack, you know, a place we can lay back. A bottle of red wine, a whole lot of sunshine, and I'll be loving you, loving you. And we'll do all the things those Latin lovers do. They got sand. Find someone to teach you the way to a hideaway where can't nobody reach you. We'll find us a rainbow and chase it all day long. And when the sun goes down and there's no one around, that'll be okay. We don't need them anyway. Sandy Beaches, something very California-like from Delbert McClinton in 1980. 
the height of his uh, commercial success, there wasn't a ton of it in his career, but I mean, he managed to carve out quite a following and uh, really was uh, all through and through a blues man, but he dabbled in other styles of music that were similar to blues, you know, like, like I said, uh, going into country and also soul. But that's basically the gist of his career has been uh, performing blues as a accomplished guitarist and harmonica player, of course. Now we're going to move on to another California-type track. It's Hollywood. Kind of a story of rags to riches type of thing is what it tells, which is funny because this band's album for our first one was called Rags to Rufus, actually. <laughs> and it's Rufus and Shaka Khan. She took, um, you know, co-billing at some point eventually along the way. I think a few years in when it was becoming obvious she was the big star attraction now. She was a, you know, definitely a full-throated, uh, commanding vocalist, kind of almost as powerful singer as Aretha Franklin when she was added to the group that had started in the early 70s. And uh, they really broke through with uh, Tell Me Something Good, which Stevie Wonder wrote, which is a huge uh, chart-topping hit in 1974. And then this is a few years after that, and by 1977 they were still riding a commercial success. And uh, this particular song, like I said, called Hollywood, came out on a 1977 album called Ask Rufus, which uh, this wasn't even the most successful single that came off that album, but it was one of the few that they put from it. And uh, it's a good example of their kind of funky style it's a little you know slick it's not you know like funkadelic we're not talking about something completely bizarre and out there obviously but uh yeah this this one also featured significant hits of theirs including at midnight my love will lift you up which was their third r&b number one and uh, also everlasting love was on it and uh yeah the the uh, critical regard for it was pretty pretty good and, uh, you know, this was another one of their very successful albums from that run. Off and on, she was with them until about 1983, they split up. But uh, she had balanced a solo career with it. And it was once Rufus was done, she kind of broke out on the pop charts on her own um, terms with um, I Feel For You in 1984, which was very famous for using uh, the famous rapper Mel Mel doing the Shaka Khan, Let Me Rocky Shaka Khan bit. Because it was originally a Prince song. But anyway, before all that, she also had a big hit with Ashford and Simpson's I'm Every Woman. But this really was the group that I think the best work from Shaka Khan came from. And we're going to take a listen to it right now. From 1977, it's Rufus and Shaka Khan with Hollywood on the Sound of Guru podcast. He's on his way, he's going to Hollywood, he's busting up to Hollywood. Showing the ways, moving to Hollywood, he's hopping into Hollywood. He's on his way, he's going to Hollywood, he's busting into Hollywood. Showing the ways, moving to Hollywood, he's hopping into Hollywood. He's waited at bus stops all his life. He's been in and out of those spaces. Seeing eyes that spoke to him. Dressed to kill, he's gonna find 
Our at Hollywood from Rufus and Chaka Khan right there, 1977. Solid track. One of their top cuts, I would say. I mean, if you're putting together a compilation of their best stuff, you got to have that one on there. And that really another dem that's a good demonstration of her vocal, uh, powerful R&B vocal style. Like I said, a little bit of Aretha Franklin in it. Um, kind of Whitney Houston, you know, expanded upon that style. A little more vocal melisma, maybe, and a little more showiness to it. Which is funny, because I, I mentioned I'm Every Woman, and that song had... Whitney Houston and her mother Sissy actually singing harmony vocals on it. It was a teenage Whitney Houston who had her first big appearance on a um, on a recorded track with that, which came out in 1978, I believe. So not long after, like a year after this. Anyway, so moving on from Rufus and Shaka Khan there, we've got uh, one more track to play for you in this part one, in this episode one of this theme. It's from Lyle Lovett, and it's from 1987 on his second album, Pontiac which shows his country stylings, but also his love for big band, western swing, folk. He, uh, you know, he isn't just a particular country artist. He didn't really fit in that box. Eventually, you know, the whole Nashville scene he kind of grew out of, and the country music radio people stopped really paying attention or caring or whatever. He was too rootsy, I guess, for them. But at the time, he was still writing songs and stuck into that mold. And it's a song about a guy um, coming to the big lights of L.A., and uh, seeing the promise and potential for things, not including uh, not not only for his own life and career, but maybe for his romantic life too. But uh, this is a uh, you know like L.A. has kind of had country music permeated in uh, little doses over the years, like country artists basing themselves out of California. It's not totally rare, even though that California is really not country music territory whatsoever. But you know you had the Bakersfield sound. You know you had those country artists out of there, like Dwight Yoakam, and then before him. Um, Merle Haggard and uh, the big star of it, Buck Owens. So here's a loud love it. It's uh, this is a tremendous album of his, by the way. There's other tracks on it that are really standard, even more than this one. I mean, it had "If I Had a Boat," which is one of his signature compositions, leading off the album. And um, there's a duet on it with uh, Emmy Lou Harris called "Walk Through the Bottomland." It's quite good. But then also his jazzy stylings are uh, to be found in M O N E Y. She's no lady. She's hot to go, which closes it out. I mean, this is, he runs a gamut of things. He's not just country, like I said. But anyway, here's Lyle Lovett with something more honky-tonk than, uh, than those uh, particular big, big band arrangements he'd do. So let's take a listen to Lyle Lovett with L.A. County, 1987. Here on the Sound of Group Podcast, California On My Mind, Part 1. Take it away. She left Dallas for California Well, it did not say much, but one year later, he'd ask her to be his wife. And the lights of L.A. County, they look like diamonds in the sky. When you're driving through the hours with an old friend at your side, but one year later, I left you. Well, it did not say much, but it was a beauty of a cold black 45. And the lights of L.A. County, they look like diamonds in the sky. When you're driving through the hours with an old friend at your side. It's 
All right, there you have it, Lyle Lovett with L.A. County on the Sound of Group Podcast, the final track of this California on my mind, part one episode, uh, the sec- two-part theme, so the second one will be coming out eventually, and I'm just going to sign off telling you that, nothing more left to say, I'm just tight for time, I guess. Until next time, good listening. <laughs>